Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here, like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy. Yeah, and I think what we have to do is to begin with the strength of our message. We go to our content and decide what it is that is really the strongest feature of what we have to offer. Right? What's the strength of what we have to offer? Is it reliability? Is it uh, price? Is it comfort? Is it stability? Is it durability? What is it? Right? Then we go to the moment before we deliver that message and bring people's attention to that concept, whatever it is, right? That will make them receptive to the um, strength of our message. I'm Srini Rao, and this is the Unmistakable Creative Podcast, where you get a window into the stories and insights of the most innovative and creative minds who've started movements, built thriving businesses, written best-selling books, and created insanely interesting art. For more, check out our 500-episode archive at unmistakablecreative.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this, you're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Bob, welcome to The Unmistakable Creative. Thanks so much for taking the time to join us. Well, thanks, Sriri. I am looking forward to the opportunity to interact with you and, and your followers. Yeah. Well, so, you know, a lot of people in our audience are probably already familiar with your earlier work because, uh, you know, if you, you know, for those of you listening, if you've read the book Influenced by Robert Saldini, that's who Bob happens to be. Um, so I want to start with a question that uh, I thought has been really interesting to hear people's answers, and especially you, given what you do and, and what you've studied um, around the areas of social influence. I'm curious, what social group were you a part of in high school? And how did that impact some of the choices that you've made with your life and your career and your interest in this whole area of social influence? Yeah, it's an interesting question in that it was, uh, if you remember back in high school, we used to talk about uh, Venn diagrams, these overlapping circles uh, that had uh, a, a sweet spot in, in between the, uh, the overlaps. Uh, for me, I was both... Uh, an academic, uh, I had academic interests that put me in certain kinds of classes. I was also uh, uh, an athlete of sorts. I played football and baseball. And those individuals who shared those two kinds of interests for me, being in the science club, number one, but also on the baseball team, uh, those were the kinds of kids I hung out with and kind of shaped my identity. Mm-hmm. 
What were some of the, the earlier communication lessons that you learned from each one of those groups that you ended up applying to your work going forward? Well, you know, there was another set of groups that uh, really started getting me thinking about the influence process. And it has to do with the fact that I was born into an entirely Italian family in a predominantly Polish neighborhood of a historically German city, Milwaukee, in an otherwise rural state of Wisconsin. And uh, whenever I noted, whenever I, I moved from one to another of those settings and, and the people who populated those settings, the rules changed as to what the norms were for interacting and, uh, uh, and, and communicating with one another uh, effectively. Uh, especially, I thought, uh, when I moved uh, from an urban to a rural environment, it wasn't difficult at all to just drive for a few miles and suddenly be in a, a, a rural area of Wisconsin where people were selling apples by the side of the road. And if I ever stopped to do an exchange, an economic exchange with uh, someone in that setting, uh, the, the, the norms were decidedly different from what I would experience in a city or a supermarket, that sort of thing. So I recognized that, oh, it's, it's not just the content uh, of what you're interested in. It's the, um, it's the context in which uh, a, an influence attempt occurs that can make a big difference in how it, uh, how it works. So walk me through how you go from sort of this uh, upbringing where, you know, you're part of multiple social groups to yeah, ending up doing the work that you do around this, like writing influence, which I know came out years ago. Um, <clears throat> I mean, what, what's been sort of the trajectory of your career that has led to this point? Well, you know, I think uh, my uh, trajectory started out very traditionally. I went to graduate school. I got a Ph.D. I got a first job. I started researching um, the science of persuasion in my laboratory, uh, for the most part using uh, psychology students as the, uh, the subjects. But then I recognized that by staying located on my campus and uh, using a sample of college students, I was missing something important about the research uh, or the, the questions that I was studying. And that is, what, how powerful are these factors that I'm studying, not in the laboratory settings, but in the real world settings that I wanted to um, apply them to? And uh, that made me recognize that why do I have to go through the middleman here? Why don't I just go into the settings of interest and see what works there. And so I began to change my orientation to move from uh, studying persuasion in the laboratory to studying how it worked outside of the laboratory in door-to-door -door, uh, campaigns for uh, charity, in, uh, uh, in various kinds of uh, situations where people were uh, exposed to a piece of information uh, about what others like them were doing and how that affected their choices in that setting, 
in which they were operating in the moment. Mm-hmm. So, um, what what exactly planted the seed for this book? I mean, I know it's been twenty years since the last one, or, or even longer. Um, so, what what prompted your interest, and what planted the seed for for persuasion? Well, you know, the book influence was devoted mostly to an analysis of what a communicator can put into a message to increase its persuasive success. What factors can be incorporated? into a communication that will incline recipients of that communication toward assent. And what the new book focuses on is what a communicator can do, not in the message itself, but in the moment before delivering the message to increase its persuasive success. Mm-hmm. And the the set of factors that moved me from the original model of social influence that says you have to uh, arrange the content of your message correctly to get people to say yes to it, which I still believe. Right? But there was a new um, model as well that I started seeing evidence of um, that caused me to see this alternative way of creating change. And that was to essentially um, create a mindset in the recipient of a message that would be consistent with the message that hadn't even been encountered yet. But if it would be possible to put someone in a frame of mind that made that person attuned to the strengths of our subsequent message, that would produce genuine uh, traction. That would give us genuine leverage when the message eventually did occur. Mm -hmm. And I started seeing research that was consistent with this idea. A a great example has to do with a study I talk about in the book, uh, Persuasion, fairly early on. It had to do with uh, a study that was done by uh, an online furniture store. For half of the visitors to uh, their site, they sent these visitors to a landing page that had as its background fluffy, soft clouds. The other half of the visitors were sent to a landing page that had as its background coins, actually pennies. Mm -hmm. What they found was remarkable. Those people who first encountered clouds then rated comfort as a more important factor in choosing furniture. They, They... also searched the site in a a specific way for comfort-related features, and they ultimately chose to prefer comfortable furniture for purchase. Those who were sent to the website with coins rated cost as a more important factor for making a decision about 
furniture. They search the site for price-related information and ultimately preferred to purchase um, inexpensive furniture. So what they saw first changed the way they valued the subsequent material. Well, that wasn't involved in my earlier uh, model of how behavior occurs, how, uh, excuse me, how behavior is changed. Mm -hmm. And that got me thinking differently about the moment before we send our content-based message and how to arrange that for optimal success. Mm. Then there was, then there was a, a personal experience I had that made me say to myself, oh, I have to write a book about this. There was a knock at my door. I opened it to find uh, a guy, a middle-aged man, uh, asking me to contribute to a cause uh, I had never heard of. It was for uh, a specific kind of after-school program for children whose parents were working and uh, the kids needed some activity that would be, uh, that would be beneficial for them uh, until their parents could come and pick them up. Well, he didn't show me any credentials that he was associated with this program. And uh, I didn't uh, know anything about it, but I wound up giving him more money than I give to legitimate charity organizations that I know about. And I remember closing the door and thinking to myself, what just happened there? And I realized that the reason I gave him that amount of money didn't have anything to do with the content of his message. It had to do with how he arranged the moment before he delivered the content. And that is, he brought along with him his seven-year-old daughter. And that's what I saw first. And I became attuned to children and children's issues. And just like those subjects in the clouds or coins experiment, I now valued children's issues higher than before, saw them as important, and then acted in a way that was consistent with this new view of the priority associated with children's issues. So I, I know that you sort of broke this down into six sort of foundational principles for persuasion, uh, which, you know, I happen to have in my notes. Um, do you mind kind of doing sort of a, a deep dive into each of these concepts and, and kind of explaining to us? Um, let's start with the idea of how, how do we make people more open to us and to what we're, we're trying to get them to do? Yeah, and I think what we have to do is to begin with the strength of our message. We go to our content and decide what it is that is really the strongest feature 
of what we have to offer? What's the strength of what we have to offer? Is it reliability? Is it uh, price? Is it comfort? Is it stability? Is it durability? What is it? Then we go to the moment before we deliver that message and bring people's attention to that concept, whatever it is, right? That will make them receptive to the um, strength of our message, right? They'll be focused on it in a kind of channeled way. Mm-hmm. I got an email from a guy uh, a few weeks ago who had read an, uh, a copy of uh, Persuasion and said that it caused him to change for the better the approach that he used with uh, his two sons who were Boy Scouts when they would go to try to raise money for the Boy Scouts by uh, going outside of uh, supermarkets. They, they were allowed to set up a table where they could sell popcorn. Right? So when people came out of the market, uh, they would be asked, would you like to buy some popcorn? And the answer was almost invariably, no thanks. After all, these people had just been in a supermarket. If they wanted popcorn, they could have purchased it in there. No thanks. And then they walked by. So only 15 or 20% of the time did they get a a sale. And then he, uh, this, uh, this guy who wrote to me said, I rethought, what is the strength of our message? It's not popcorn. It's the Boy Scouts. Right? Mm-hmm. So he changed the question to, do you support the Boy Scouts? And almost everyone said yes. And then he said, would you like to buy some popcorn to support the Boy Scouts? And he's now at 80 to 90% compliance. Wow. Now, what I liked about this is he said, even those people who don't buy popcorn give us a couple of dollars to support the Boy Scouts, right? This, the whole exchange was not about popcorn. Mm-hmm. You have to identify what's your strength first. Then you go to the moment before you offer what you have for sale or uh, trade right? and bring that Strength, the concept associated with that strength to consciousness in people, that's going to cause them to overvalue, to prioritize that particular feature. So let's say we're looking at it through the context of something like a Kickstarter campaign or selling a book or, or something that you know some creative person does that they want an audience to pay attention to. Um, how, how, would you, how would you approach it there? Yeah, so I think there... It's a matter of um, asking, bringing people to the idea of doing something novel or adventurous. Right? Mm-hmm. What could you what What could you do? What kind of icon could you put in a message? What kind of slogan could you put at the bottom of an email that carried 
that message? What kind of question could you ask individuals first that brought them to the idea of adventurousness? There's even a study that shows how this could be done. Uh, researchers walked up to individuals uh, on the street and um, handed them a flyer, right, uh, asking them if they'd be interested in trying out a new brand of soft drink. Right? And if so, they would have to give their email address to the person who handed them the flyer. Right? Well, that's kind of a risky thing to do, first of all, to give your email address to a perfect stranger. It also has to do with something about getting some information about how to get something brand new that's unfamiliar. Right? So when they asked that question uh, on that flyer, they just handed the flyer that said, would you be interested in getting this and here's how you would do it? Right? Only 30% of the people uh, gave a, an email address. That was for one sample of the subjects. But for another sample of the people that they approached, they handed them the same flyer, except at the top was the question, do you consider yourself an adventurous person? And now 55% of them turned in their email address. Hmm. Nearly doubling the success by simply bringing people people's attention to their adventurous side. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. As creators, we're always on the move. Whether it's a live podcast event, a pop-up shop, or a workshop, we're constantly interacting with community, and that's where Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe comes in. Imagine this. You're at a live event, a listener loves your merch, or a participant wants to sign up for your course on the spot. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, you can accept their payments right there and then, right from your iPhone so there's no extra hardware or no delays. Total game changer. It's not just for creators. Any business owner can do this. It's about making transactions smoother and much more personal, growing your business in your way. We've been using Stripe for our products and courses for a long time, and now with Tap to Pay on iPhone, you can take your business to the next level too. So visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone to learn more. Remember folks, with Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, your business is always at your fingertips. Well, let's do this. There's three other concepts that caught my attention that I know you talked about in the beginning of the book that I, that really kind of intrigued me. Um, and these were association triggers, triggers, language and imagery, and the geography of influence and environment. Um, I'd love for you to kind of give us an overview of those because to me, you know, as, as I got to look at those, I was like, wow, these are these are tools that not only can be used for you know persuasion when we're dealing with you know changing other people's behavior, but also to change our own. Right. So you've mentioned. Um, um, language and imagery. I like imagery uh, because as an old persuasion researcher, one thing that I've recognized is that when you make a verbal or a written argument where you uh, uh, provide an appeal in, in some sort of a case that you make, right, it's possible for people to counter-argue that but they never counter-argue images. People simply don't. You take in an image. So that's why that clouds and coins study, I think, was so interesting. Um, And we can do the same thing for ourselves. For example, there was a, a study done that showed that if people were given an image of a, a runner winning a race, right, that they were constantly uh, exposed to while they were performing their job, which was to call and get contributions to a, a particular charity, right, they collected 60% more money than if they didn't have that image. Right? There was another study that showed that people who had to perform a difficult, uh, complex, problem-solving task that required concentration and deliberation and analysis were 42% more successful if they had an image of Rodin's The Thinker statue available to them while they were performing the task. So whatever image was put into people's minds at the outset of the task 
steered them in a direction that allowed them to complete the task more successfully. We can do that for ourselves. Mm-hmm. What What is the task that you have? Is it one that involves uh, making a lot of contacts with people, setting up uh, uh, meetings or getting uh, some kind of uh, uh, event arranged that requires a lot of energy and so on? Put a picture of a runner winning a race on your computer screen in the corner. If it is instead figuring a budget, maybe, where you have to think, put a picture of of Roden's thinker in the corner. Mm-hmm. Right? It's going to steer, steer us in the direction we want. And I'll give you a personal example of what I did in this regard in writing this new book, uh, Persuasion. I first thought of an end game. Right? What did I want at the end of this process of writing this book. I wanted a book that had legs, that is, that didn't just sell for six months and then die. I wanted a book that was durable, that, 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 had, that made a, a, a continuing contribution right, over the years. Right? So here's what I did. I gave so I have three grandchildren, and I gave their parents each a copy of the book. I knew that I was going to do this before I even started writing. Three copies with notes to each of my grandchildren and a dedication to them. The book was dedicated to my grandkids. And here's the image. When they're old enough to read it, that's probably in 10 or 15 years for the youngest of them. Mm -hmm. I want their parents to give them the book and say, your grandfather wrote this book for you. Well, it had better be a good book. (laughs) It had better stand the test of time so that when my grandkids read it, they liked it. Not just because it was dedicated to them, but because a good book was dedicated to them. That's what kept me in my seat, kept me working, making sure there were no shortcuts in writing this book. So I'm myself in the in the middle of writing a, a book, uh, a second one, and I'm curious. Uh, so what, what my thought was, right as I heard you say that, was the best thing to do it, uh, that I could think of was, okay, maybe I can go and find an image as my wallpaper for my uh, background of somebody actually writing. Would that increase the likelihood that I would write? Yes. In fact, uh, there's research, that, that study I was telling you about where people who saw a, a picture of a runner winning a race became more successful in collecting funds while they were uh, at a call center. Right? Mm-hmm. These researchers also did a subsequent study where they showed them pictures of people making calls. right? And that had the same effect. So anything that brings to mind the operating on the task in a successful way, right? 
is going to lend itself to the motivation to to operate on that task in a successful way. Mm-hmm. So you know, there's another thing that uh, I thought was really interesting you talked about was this whole idea of self-influence and um, changing our own behavior, like through that if-then-when framework. And I, I was curious if you could kind of walk us through that and explain it to us and talk about how that enables us to change our habits. Yeah, that's a good one. And I'm impressed by the quality of the research that has shown that very often we have goals that we don't reach. And one of the reasons is that we lose our um, motivation uh, to reach those goals because we often aren't put in mind of the goals as we are going through our life. So, for example, we might have uh, uh, a motive to, to do more exercise, but we're not even thinking about that when we're at the office, when we're... Uh, entering the building, and we could take the stairs or we could uh, take the elevator. I mean, we're in our old habits, right? Mm -hmm. Or we're preoccupied. We're thinking about what we have to do when we get to the office, those kinds of things, right? So what if-when-then plans do is tell us to structure the following commitment for ourselves. If when I am standing in front of the elevator, right, I see stairs nec- the stairs next uh, uh, nearby. I will take the stairs then. Right? So you put a cue in your mind that is going to be there that directs you to the action you really want to take. There was a study done, for example, of uh, individuals who were having trouble taking their medication in a timely way. Right? And all they had, all the researchers had to do was, was to create an if-when-then plan as follows. If it's 8 o'clock and I have finished brushing my teeth, then I will remember to take my medication. And that produced uh, a significant increase. I believe it was from 59% to 72% of people who were now uh, compliant with their medication regimen. Mm -hmm. You just have to put the goal in mind in a place that you will be cued to that goal uh, by your commitment uh, to that place in that time. So, I mean, we've looked at it through the lens of, of, you know, sort of a smaller goal, for example, hey, I want to exercise. But what if, how do you deal with it in the context of sort of, sort of bigger goals that we can't necessarily concretely say, okay, yeah, I know exactly how I'm going to accomplish goals. Let's say, for example, you want to increase your income as your goal. Um, How could this framework be used for something like that? Because it's not nearly as, okay, if, then, when, in terms of being as concrete. So I'm curious how you'd apply it in that context. Right. I think in, in that sort of situation, that's too big a goal, <laughs> right? You've got to limit your goal to uh, something that allows you to increase your income. Like, okay, uh, what I'm going to do when I'm faced with a, a daunting task is to power myself through it. And the way to do that is when I've got that kind of task, I'm going to put a picture of a runner winning a race in the corner of my screen. Mm-hmm. So you, 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 you figure out what 
sub-goal will lead to the larger one, and then you give yourself cues in your environment that will lead you to the sub-goal, to the achievement of that sub-goal. So one question I wanted to ask you, because I, I know we, you talked quite a bit about sort of media and messaging in the book, and I was just kind of curious, you know, given that it is an election, uh, we're literally, I believe we're talking on the actual election day, what your thoughts are around sort of look, how do you, how do you look at the election through the, persu- uh, the lens of the work that you've done? Well, I'll tell you, I, I, it's my policy not to talk about elections while okay. they are on, uh, ongoing, but I'll tell you about uh, something I noticed that the Obama campaigns of 2008 and 2012 did very successfully that was uh, persuasive. Um, and uh, they pioneered this strategy of when the candidate was speaking, Behind him, you know, uh, Obama, was a sea of faces demographically um, arranged so that any observer saw themselves behind that candidate. Even before he said a single word, you saw somebody in your category there. There were blondes, there were African-American, there were Asians, there um, there were old individuals, there were younger individuals, there were males, there were females. Whatever demographic category they were interested in making contact with, they were structured back there. And, you know, I always wondered... What are those people doing behind the candidate? They're only seeing the back of his head. Why are they back there? Well, they weren't back there for for their purposes. They were back there for the audience's purposes. So they could see themselves represented in supporters of this candidate even before they heard a single word. So I have two last questions for you. One is, as a speaker, I am curious um, how, you know, prior to delivering a talk, you may basically uh, get the audience more open to your message, especially when it's not an audience you've had a chance to have any contact with prior. Yeah. And this is a great question because it involves making a change in myself that makes a change in the audience to be more receptive to me, right? A few years ago, when I was just starting out um, uh, as a speaker, um, I had a a friend who said, I've got uh, a buddy who advises speakers on how to improve their presentational skills. And uh, would you like to talk to him? So, yes, I did. And uh, I spent an afternoon with this guy after he watched one of my presentations. And I can tell you, I don't remember anything that he said during those three hours except one thing that has changed what I do dramatically as I, as I, as I walk on a stage. Right? He said, you know, Cialdini, you've got kind of a, a wide mouth and a big smile. He said, 
before you go on the stage, find a reason to smile broadly at your audience. What I liked about that advice was that he didn't say, smile broadly at your audience. He didn't say, fake it. He said, find a reason to genuinely smile. People will like that. You will have a reason for being glad to be there. They will register it in your smile. And now you've got a You've got receptivity and rapport before you've ever said a word. Hmm. So I do. That's what I do every time now. So one other question about this. Um, Where do you draw the line ethically with all of this? Because, you know, I feel like you could use this in the wrong. Like, where is the line between when it's persuasion and when it's manipulation? Yeah, that's why I think it. I think this is a crucial question that you've asked. I think... Um, ethics are, uh, are just paramount uh, for producing a long-term uh, commercial or uh, business relationship with uh, anyone. And that is you have to be sure that you treat them in an honest uh, and, and, and ethical way. So um, for me, the difference is, once again, going to the content of what you have to offer and bringing the audience attention to the strength of it, the thing that will make it wisest for them to choose what you are offering them. Not the thing that will produce the biggest profit margin for you. The thing that will make it wise for them to choose. That way, both sides are benefiting and you get the likelihood that people will want to come back for future opportunities to benefit. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, this has been fantastic. So I have one last question for you, which is how we finish uh, all of our interviews with the unmistakable creative. What do you think it is that makes somebody or something unmistakable? Unmistakable? Mm-hmm. Um, I get can you ask unmistakable in terms of how others view him or yeah, somebody I mean, who never makes a mistake? No, probably the other, but uh, really it's, it's yeah, so, how you so visible and conspicuous and, and yeah. so on. Yeah. It, it, for me, it is scrupulous trustworthiness. Hmm. I say that because the research that I have, seen shows that the single thing people look for in any relationship, either personal or commercial, uh, is trustworthiness. That's the, the top thing they look for. If you can demonstrate your trustworthiness first before you, you send your message, People will be looking at you and looking to you for information um, uh, that will have you stand out uh, as somebody uh, who is conspicuous by this extremely positive trait.
Well, uh, like I said, this has been fascinating uh, as I expected it would be. And uh, I really, really appreciate you taking the time to join us and share your insights and your story with our listeners. Well, I enjoyed it, uh, I have to say. Thank you. I appreciate that. And for everybody listening, we'll wrap the show with that. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Have you ever felt a twinge of worry about AI taking over your job or diluting your creativity? Well, what if you could turn that fear into creative fuel? We've just published an amazing new ebook called The Four Keys to Success in an AI World. And this is more than just a guide. It's a deep exploration into the human skills that AI can't touch. The skills that are essential for standing out and thriving, no matter how much technology evolved. We're talking about real differentiators here like creativity, emotional intelligence, critical thinking, and much more. Inside, you'll find actionable insights and strategies to develop these skills, whether you're a creative person, a business person, or just simply someone who loves personal development. This isn't a story about tech taking over. It's a story of human creativity thriving alongside AI. Picture this, AI as your creative co-pilot, not just as a tool, but a collaborator that enhances your unique human skills. The Four Keys ebook will show you exactly how to do that and view AI in a new way that empowers you instead of overshadows you. Transform your creative potential today. Head over to unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys. Use the number four, K-E-Y-S. That's unmistakablecreative.com slash four keys and download your free copy.